How do you get inspired? Do you watch a motivational video? Maybe you read a book, an article, or you listen to music? Maybe it's about going for a run, a walk, or just sitting in silence with a good cup of coffee, dreaming about all the things you have yet to accomplish. For me, inspiration comes from people who I admire and watching them do what they love. I don't get to speak to all of these people, but there is one particular person who I'm lucky to be able to speak to at least once a week, and that's Lili Gilvalleta. Lili is the co-founder and CEO of the cultural intelligence market research tech firm Culture Intel and the cultural marketing agency Cien Plus. She's also a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader, TV commentator, and an award-winning entrepreneur. You can see Lili as a regular TV commentator on Fox News, Fox Business, and CNN in Español, and she has been featured by Forbes, CNN Money, The Huffington Post, and the New York Daily News, among others. She's also the recipient of many awards, including 2018 Hispanic Business Person of the Year by the USHCC, Top 100 Most Powerful Women of New York, Poder's Top 40 Under 40, and Top 100 Most Influential Latinas, among others. I can keep going about all the amazing things Lili has done and is doing, but you probably don't even need to know any of that to be inspired by her. On this episode of Latinx, I speak to Lili about her sources of inspiration, successes, failures, having it all, prioritizing what we care about the most, the balance between feeding our mind and soul, and much more. Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez, and this is Latinx a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Latinx. This season, we want to focus on empowering you to follow your passion and be smart about chasing your dreams while speaking to Latinx from all over, de diferentes colores y sabores. Thank you for all of your support. Our community keeps growing, so make sure to join Latinx on Instagram and TikTok at Latinx. You can also find out more on our website at wearelatinx.com. I could have endless questions and you know this because we talk a lot. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me. Let's start with that. And I am so proud of you, Andrea, and what you're doing, making these conversations happen. And hopefully everybody that is listening gets to learn something new. And I will tell you a bit about my backstory, which really at the very beginning is the fact that I'm from Colombia. So I was born and raised in Colombia and then early 90s, so I'm totally dating myself. When I was graduating high school, it was the really crazy times of Colombia. Um, I hate to use this reference, but it's kind of true. It's what you would see in Narcos on Netflix right now. Um, but that's not Colombia now, so fast forward. But that was a, a very, very difficult moment for for us in our history back in Colombia. And my parents um, kind of threw the option out there for me. It was like, hey, do you want to go to the US and learn how to speak English? So I wasn't coming to like go to college or anything like that yet. I was coming as an ESL student. And my whole plan was I'm going to go back to Colombia, go to college, etc. So that was the very, very beginnings of it all. I always wanted to be in business, some sort of business career, not quite sure what or where. 
But the first thing was, let's learn English. <laughs> so of all places in America, I ended up in Texas. And when you talk about an American experience, that one was really, really interesting. I landed in Texas. I will spare you some of the details. So let me give you the executive review. So Texas, teeny tiny Christian school, population 6,000, Keene, Texas. Like nobody even knows where it is or what school I went to, but it's fine because it's not where you start is where you end. And then I was fast forward, you know, did my MBA sponsored by my employer at the time, Johnson & Johnson, and then eventually had a very successful corporate career that lasted a decade. And in my corporate career, came up with the idea of create the company that I have right now, experts in cultural intelligence. And here I am, corporate executive, immigrant turned entrepreneur. So that is kind of like the long version of the full backstory, but I'm sure you're going to ask me questions about different chapters inside the story, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, so let's take it back a little bit with your dream of mm -hmm. uh, wanting to start your own business and where that comes from. What fueled that passion? What fueled that because you said 10 years corporate, you did your MBA, not an easy feat to come from another country and learn a new language. We know that. Um, mm -hmm. So there had to be something that was pushing you, motivating you. What was it? Yeah. So I'm going to keep it real because I'm going to tell myself what I wish I would have heard and told my 20 something year old. Um, I was always, always very driven. So motivated by performance and achievement and title and how quickly was I going to make it to the C-suite and that is good to a fault and I want to kind of be vulnerable and let everyone hear this loud and clear because it's the stuff they don't teach you in like graduate school or anywhere um, being driven by chasing the position and title is amazing but I did it at the risk of like compromising my personal life. I went through a divorce really young. And I'm telling you all of that because sometimes is life moments that you may feel like they are a very difficult thing that can turn into the field to kind of reignite you to consider your life direction and purpose and what you're going to do instead of just chasing a title. So what happened to me was this drive that was always there when I was at J&J &J and wanting to climb up as fast as I could. And I did at some point became one of the youngest, highest ranking executives in the entire company in global marketing. I could see it in like the diversity scorecards where there was only one data point for an executive under 30. And I knew that was me on the chart because there was no one else. Um, and that was great because very quickly I could see the power of influence. But I guess with that accelerated maturity, I realized, wait a second, I can influence and keep on doing this for me or recognize that there is almost like this cultural currency that I had, having been the immigrant, having a bicultural perspective, looking at the market and the numbers differently, that I kind of paused and said, wait a second. And now this is getting to your answer. How did I become an entrepreneur? Inside my corporate job in the pursuit of probably status, title and performance, I recognize I could have a purpose in bringing the power and numbers of what we, let's say as a Hispanic market, could mean for the business of J&J &J at the time. 
So if I was in global marketing and I'm looking at business plans, but nobody else was looking at the demographic shifts or the profile of the markets we wanted to serve, but I was the one that brought it up, it created a new conversation. And then I realized that something that seemed so obvious to me as the loud Latina in the room um, was something that was unnoticed by most people around me. And I'm talking about over a decade ago. Now it's like inclusion and, you know, enlightenment, but this is like a decade ago. So when I, that happened to me, and at the same time I was, you know, my mom was battling breast cancer. We eventually lost her to breast cancer. And I was going through some heartaches in my personal life, going through a divorce. I looked at all those three things. And instead of victimizing myself, I said, you know what? There's an opportunity here to do more. If I just discover this power in numbers of my culture, and I'm recognizing that there's priorities in life that transcend this crazy chase for the title or whatever I was doing in my young version then, um, that I could channel that same drive and probably have a purposeful existence in the marketplace that could take what I had discovered at J&J as an untapped market and potentially help other corporations outside do the same and recognize it with data, insights, marketing strategies that were inclusive and designed for this new world that a lot of people were kind of sleep at the wheel, not paying attention to. So I was driven by purpose and life circumstances that forced me to reevaluate and channel in a different way, my talents and energy. And look at what happens when you realize this is not about serving yourself, but serving the world. And I tell to entrepreneurs all the time if you want to be a quote-unquote entrepreneur because you want to be rich and be the next mark zuckerberg you're probably chasing the wrong thing and that's not what's going to give you the energy to stay up at night when you're broke with an idea not sleeping so there's no amount of money that will give you the satisfaction of really living why is it that you're doing this thing so that was for me in that case um personal professional and purposeful all combined while looking at the hard numbers and recognizing, ha ha, there's something here people are not paying attention to. Um, and I just took the jump and it was as much healing as it was empowering all at the same time. Thank you for sharing. Well, one, for answering that question and two, for sharing that you went through these hardships. You can be doing extremely well on one part of your life and achieving and that's what people tend to see but they don't see all of these other things that you have mm -hmm. to be carrying and going through and that you have to sacrifice. I didn't know that, for example. Um, and mm -hmm. I appreciate knowing that because in a way it makes what you've accomplished a lot more fascinating mm -hmm. because we, you mentioned this toward the beginning when we started talking, this idea of as women, we have to sort of juggle it all. And, and we keep being told like, there's these, responsibilities as a mother and responsibilities as trying to make it as a woman in a corporate world is already itself. Um, and yep. hearing you go through these things is motivating, inspiring. Um, yeah. So and I know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm taking us to a tangent, but you took me there with that comment. <laughs> I think I share this with you offline, but now let's put it on the record. I'll never forget when I was actually speaking to some of the girls in your alma mater. I think it was the Latinas at Harvard for mm -hmm. a conference. And I did say it on the stage, probably what never gets told in these rooms. And it was that, exactly that, like 
two things I said that I think apply to anyone, Harvard or not. It's the fact that your credentials or the school that you went to doesn't mean anything the minute after you show up to the interview, because that may get you the door open, but then after that, it's you. Can you talk? Can you make out contact? Can you be empathetic? Can you deliver beyond what's on the page because you speak three languages, did you know, community work and play the piano? Like all of that means nothing without that essence of you performing, delivering and making a connection. So that was one thing. But the other thing is this very daunting high bar and nothing against Sheryl Sandberg, who I think is a total rock star in life, has given her all kinds of challenges too in business, losing her husband. I mean, I can't even imagine. But the lean in generation has put on top of them, myself included, so much, it's unfair. So what I told these ladies on the stage was like, listen, if you really, really, really want to be this incredible CEO before 30 or 40, um, you may want to balance and reconsider how does that play out with getting married or not. It doesn't mean you won't, but it means you are strategic about pacing yourself, not to put it all at the same time, because that's unattainable. There's no 200% of us. Um, and if you really want to focus in one dimension, do that, hone it in, get the hang of that. And then you can start adding or expanding and you mature and you learn to prioritize differently. But all of it at the same time is way too much. So what you were saying, it's self-imposed, a lot of it. Um, and we need to be kind with ourselves. I have come to terms that there are days when I am a crappy mom and an amazing executive. And there's other days when I'm a crappy mom, I mean executive, and an incredible mom. And you make those choices. And it's because that day I'm choosing to be 100% focused. I was just telling you about our fencing tournament. You know, I may disappear half of my day on Friday because we have to prepare for this tournament. And that's deliberate and that's conscious and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And I might tell no to a client meeting that Friday afternoon, but you're deliberate about choosing the 100% that you're giving that afternoon instead of self, you know, victimizing about not doing it all because you can do it all. So anyway, title and credentials or the fancy university you go to means very little beyond the opening the first door. And, and the bar for perfection, for having it all, for the 200% you want to be in all dimensions of life, it is a self-imposed recipe for dissatisfaction and never-ending pursuit of something that is not real. We got to love where we are, give it our best and all, focus and shift roles, and enjoy the journey. Otherwise, why do it? So that's it. Hey, my dad, who lost my mom, ended up marrying this incredible accomplished engineer who has like doctorates and everything. She never, ever, ever, ever wanted to get married because she was all about her career. And now in her 60s, she did. So you never know. Let life be life and enjoy the journey. I think I've mentioned this in one of my past interviews, but I have a desk and wall full of post-its where I put phrases, thoughts, questions, or words that inspire me and remind me of why I started a journey in the first place and where I want to be going. So 
my posted questions to you and myself inspired by this talk so far are, what are you passionate about? What is your currency or something unique you bring to the table that can influence others? Are you being purposeful and enjoying the ride? How do you feed your mind and soul? Social media has also um, heightened a lot of the things that we go through as a society. I, I mean, I've said this in, men, in countless interviews and, I, and we've talked about it with many of my guests, which is this idea of you have to be succeeding all of the time. You have to be doing something. You have to be engaged. It's all about personal branding. And the idea of success needs to be amplified. If not, it's basically non-existent. Win or lose, like there, there is a lot of positive components to social media, but there's also this idea of you cater the life to what you want. You don't have to be doing everything. You don't have to be successful in everything you do. You don't have to put your name out there all the time while you're doing things. Um, and you choose, you choose what you focus your time on. Um, I think I learned this from you, which is the 10 minute rule. <laughs> yes, yes which is incredibly valuable and, and it's tell, so Tell tiny. everyone, tell everyone, <laughs> Andrea, so we can like spread the wealth. Yes, you, you told me in one of the conversations we had that you were with, casually with Serena Williams once um, and <laughs> she- That's my husband's funny story of a commercial they were shooting, yep. Yeah, um, and you guys, had some downtime for like 10 minutes and everybody went to, I don't know, grab a drink or go for a walk or do something. But Serena sort of disappeared to the um, gym at the hotel. And then when you found her, she was working out all glam and for the photo shoot or the commercial. And when they asked her what she was doing, she said, 10 minutes is better than no minutes. Mm -hmm. That's the mindset of a champion right there. It is Serena Williams. Yes. <laughs> Pretty um, crazy. Mm -hmm. And there that goes go. tied to everything we do. Valuable, valuable information, everybody. By the way, also on that, I'm totally giving shout out here to my little primo who one day is going to win an Oscar. Mark my words. His name is Juan. He, um, he's a brilliant writer, graduated from Texas Tech. I mean, perfect GPA and already at 20 something has more awards of festivals and now is in the running even for a, an Oscar nomination. Um, young Latino filmmaker and a lot of people will look at him and be like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. You're so, you know, like, like you're uh, a Mensa in like filmmaking or something. And you ask him and spend time with him and he's like, yep, you know what I do every day? You're like, what? I read scripts every single day so you're perfecting your craft that's the 10 minutes of serena in the gym so he's not just like oh i had a dream of this great movie and i sat down and wrote it like Psh, magic it's kind of like a musician mm -hmm. same thing so he is training his brain and he says he picks up some of the best um films right award-winning and literally reads the scripts so he's reading great work mm -hmm. it's not by osmosis magia magia no so yes it, it that's the part of the story of a lot of people you talk to whether you're having this conversation with 
Serena or Elon Musk or Einstein back in the day. There's all this work and mindset, um, but you got to enjoy it. And I think that's the part that sometimes gets missed with these business books or the leaning in, you know, misinterpreted mindset, because if you're not purposeful and enjoying the ride, then it becomes torture and you don't want that, you know. We've learned, if anything, in 2020 that life is too short and unpredictable uh, to not be doing what you really enjoy. And that could be even the most mundane and random job that you may feel, oh, but I don't like it. Do you really, or is it the way you're approaching it or how you see the people you serve or interact with and can it be elevated? And unless you really are working for a jerk and you have to get out of there, it's very likely the context of where you're at has room for it to be enjoyable. It, uh, it probably does. It's on us. Mm -hmm. And talking about honing your craft, Lily, what does honing your craft look like for you? Um, I think I've said this to you too, so now let's put it out to the world. I always say you have to do two things to kind of perfect that craft. Or as Mr. Stephen Covey back in the day would say, sharpening the saw, right? So that happens to be a daily practice, right? Every single day, I want to make sure that I feed my mind and that I feed my soul. Um, probably in the reverse order. So this morning, 5.30 in the morning, what was I doing? Um, listening to this amazing, like, sermon video from a football player that got injured in one of his first games and then became this amazing preacher and i'm like putting my makeup on and getting ready for the day and i'm listening to him um inky johnson you can look him up so feeding your soul grounding yourself in the day and if even if you're not religious or whatever it's go outside and breathe and just be grateful that you're breathing like that stuff matters it's grounding it's it's like recognizes humanity at its core and then the soul, the, that's the soul part. And then the feeding the mind, I, I have to be learning something new, like really. Um, and that could be, there's so many cheats in today's highly technological world. Like set up the right Google alerts that hit your inbox at 7 a.m. every day and just read three of them. And you'll probably learn something very special about the things you're subscribed to. Like I get all the alerts on health equity like I'm a nerd of health stuff. Um, I get alerts also on like political things because, you know, if I get called on television or whatever, I need to know what's happening, <laughs> even though I'm not a political analyst, but just to get the context, right? Um, and that's the other thing, like when I do have a segment, like I had one yesterday, I spend at least that one hour before studying because I don't know what they're going to ask live. I could wing it because typically it's a three to five minute segment, but I'd rather be prepared. And typically I learn something new. Like, like it, I, I learned something fascinating yesterday preparing for a segment that um, there is really no hard evidence that proves that the stimulus checks are preventing people from going back to work because that is like the rumbles. Like, is that $600 check? Like demotivating people. And it sounds intuitively right, but there's no evidence. However, there's a very interesting stat, it almost contradicts each other, that it's like 
two out of seven or one out of seven people that went in unemployment, I think it's two of seven, um, are making double what they were making before COVID because of the unemployment check being so big. So I guess you could be like, wait, which evidence do I believe? But nobody has like correlated. This. Anyway, I'm like too much information now. But that's why I'm full of I'm full of like trivia in my head. Like people all the time are like, how do you know that stuff? It's like because I'm kind of like studying every day <laughs> on these kinds of things. So there you go. Feed your mind, feed your soul. And that doesn't have to be some sophisticated, super fancy podcast, unless it's the Latinx. Um, but you have to, you have to, because otherwise you become stale and you stop learning and, and life gets boring that way. So that's it. That was a long answer to your question, but that's what I do. Thank you for the shout out. Um, <laughs> there are episodes on Latinx where there was one on, I talked to an executive, uh, Vanessa Santos from MasterCard one of our clients um, yes. that, and she, it was advice she would give people on her twenties. And that's what the whole episode was about. And then we had one, the latest episode was with a bilingual parenting expert. And it was just talking mm. about how to raise bilingual kids. Um, Ooh, I'm doing that at home with two little boys. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's cause it's a whole topic. I I'm, it's one of the things I'm obsessed to talking about with my friends who are now having babies and their worry is quiero que hablen los dos idiomas como nosotros yep. how, how do we manage this i got it yeah just it's parents anyone listening porque yo tengo amigas that it's una vergüenza like seriously they're perfectly bilingual even my brother if you're listening brother his kids barely can like maneuver spanish with two parents that are like de mexico y de colombia like hello um it's the parents, like parents end up blaming the kids. Well, es que no me quiere hablar en español, me responde en inglés. And I'm like, because you're allowing it to be. Yeah. In our house, we don't speak anything but Spanish, punto final. To the point that even the little one, if I end up, because I speak to my husband, business, English, whatever stuff, he looks at me, it's like, mami, ¿por qué estás hablando en español, en inglés? <laughs> or when he sees me on television, it's like, why are you speaking? ¿Por qué estás hablando en inglés? Y yo, porque la gente no entiende si les hablo en español. Oh, okay. But it's the parents. You obsess from the minute they're born to only speak Spanish at home. Mm -hmm. And the minute you let that guard down, boop, you give permission for it to not be the case anymore. Absolutely. Así que es así, fácil. Then they go to school. Mine went to pre-K, whatever, sort of didn't speak English. They learn it in like a week. <laughs> the kids are a sponge. Yes. No, I mean, I was one of those kids actually, because that's me. And look at the gift. There you go. Yeah. So parents, if they don't speak English, I mean, Spanish, it's your fault. Sorry to be so blunt. But... <laughs> And it's so easy now because, by the way, everyone, if you go to Netflix, you can change the settings and all the little muñequitos cartoons can be in Spanish. So there is absolutely no excuse even with that. So That's a good tip. I didn't even think about that. Yes. So about to the point that even my kids are so used to watching cartoons in Spanish that the other day, hay uno que se llama Charlie, whatever, it's a little kid thing. 
y, y se prendió en inglés. Y el chiquito me dijo, mami, cámbialo a español. Y like, le suena raro. Like, he's claro, like, claro. oh, I'm used to hearing them speak in Spanish. So they get used to that too. Everything, um, yeah. all the cartoons, you can even, all the Disney Plus stuff, you can switch it to Spanish and default it to Spanish. So there you 100%. go. 100%. Yeah. Ahí está. Thank you anyway, for that tip. <laughs> as we derailed and you were talking about your podcast being very kind of like in different themes. So I guess today yeah. is the mishmash, whatever, fruit salad mix of topics. It, which it usually is with you, Lili. Lili. You're like, a, every time La caja talking, de like, Pandora. Boo! <laughs> writing down everything I have like a bunch of and I've told you this post-its all around I had to travel I here in Houston which I don't have my usual space and yet I traveled with all of my post-its took picture of them anyways but brought them physically because I they inspire me that's what I to remind myself that's awesome um but okay moving changing topic a little bit Okay, let's people. go to don't tune out don't tune out we're going somewhere i promise yeah. <laughs> stay on <laughs> we're going more into business now which is perfect i want to start with you built this amazing company i am very biased but <clears throat> you did 10 years corporate world, Johnson and Johnson, that kind of built you and um, you learned so much from that. And then you saw what holes there were that you wanted to fill mm-hmm. and you built CM plus starting from the beginning, which you've already talked about what inspired you to get there. And you yeah. can, you know, talk about that a little bit, but I also want to know how you chose your partner and who you were going to go through this journey with. So let me tell you your partner in business is as critical as choosing your life partner as like deciding who to hang out with or not because they become your the one that lifts you up when you're down the one that believes or doesn't the one that fills your shortcomings and you complement each other so it is a science um combined with an art to get that right and i say it because i've had so many friends Um, that have struggled with that or businesses that go south because of a bad partnership with the owners, the founders. And at the beginning, you may be excited about the same idea, but then when you have to bring it to life and all of a sudden you're going through the sleepless night, figuring out how you're going to make payroll or things that are because businesses all go through that. Um, If it's the wrong partner, it will totally collapse you and you won't make it. So my partner was a colleague that I met at Johnson Johnson. So it was completely random. So for many, some people, if you're listening and are in corporate life, the employee resource groups, you know, the BRGs, EBRGs, whatever you call them these days. I was the founder of the Hispanic one at J&J. It's called Hola. And Hola, um, we had these big events and I was always hosting all kinds of things about business because I didn't want to be the Cinco de Mayo cafeteria party group, but be serious. And in one of those events, I met Enrique because he approached me after I was like talking about something about the market and the numbers and whatever. And he was like, oh my gosh, I want to get involved with what you're doing because I basically created for myself a project that didn't exist just because I wasn't busy enough with my day job. Um, And we created a task force inside of J&J that was championed by Ola for us to create the business case 
for doing multicultural marketing in the pharmaceutical sector. So everyone thinks about marketing stuff like, you know, for the case of J&J, Jones's Baby and Neutrogena, like the stuff that is obvious. But how about when you're launching an HIV AIDS drug or a diabetes treatment? Um, you need that same kind of sophistication. And Enrique showed up when I was creating this task force of brain power for us to prepare the business case that was going to be presented to the CEO and the executive committee. So in a way I got to, and this is an advantage of the moment, I got to see him in action before us becoming even partners. So it's almost like we got to cast each other <laughs> because he saw this crazy lady doing what I was doing. And then I saw him being so smart and so analytical and so visionary that we got to see each other's brain power at play in real life. Um, so I think that gave us the benefit. And because of that shared project where it was, it wasn't just him and I, there was a whole group of like eight people involved. Um, that's where the hard idea for, Hey, let's create the company we can find to hire that has the data analytics as well as the creativity to do this stuff. Um, it came naturally because we worked on the business case together without knowing that that was going to be the business case that inspired our company's existence. So to this day, I give full credit to J and J and they know it. And I've talked to their super senior executives and friends that I still have there that they were my muse. And I feel like I owe them royalties from CN or something <laughs> because that body of work was totally the inspiration and the bedrock for what we do today. Ola and that initiative of the multicultural roadmap presented to the executives. So Enrique was, I just found him in that journey of real practical work. So I guess the lesson, so for anyone else to, um, to learn from this is make sure that you're not just picking a partner that you like, but that can execute. And you got to figure out a way to test drive that even before you're fully committed. Like we had the advantage of test driving each other's way of thinking and brain power in that task force before even deciding to go, go do business together. And then the other thing that just happened naturally in choosing a partner in business um, is how well we complement each other. So there's a lot, and you know this, you know, there's a lot of tests out there. You can do Myers-Briggs, you can do the strengths test, like what we do with strengths finders. So that you should really do as cheesy as it sounds, do one of those tests to see where you are similar or different because you do want differences. So diversity of thought and approach is going to make you better. And then last but not least, probably the most important thing, you have to be aligned in values. Um, the business plan, the chasing a number because you want to be successful, all that stuff is good. But Enrique and I are, a hundred percent aligned into the way we treat people, the filters for making ethical decisions and the priority we place on the mission of what we do. And that stuff is the intangibles that a resume or even a project with a task force could never fully, um, materialize. So they gotta be good. You gotta complement each other and you have to be aligned in spirit. I guess that's the three learnings. And I think those, it definitely shows the more I um, have been 
have had the opportunity to talk with Enrique, I see a lot of Lili and Enrique and Lili, like that you, mm-hmm. the way you approach things might be slightly different because I mean, we all have different personalities. We all have different strengths, as yeah. you said, but you both always go back to the same sort of North star or mission. Mm-hmm. And, and every time it's the way you step back is what I've seen that mm-hmm. you guys have that similarity. Maybe the way you sink your, the, your teeth in is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But when you step back, I feel like it's the same person or very similar mm-hmm. um, because it's what drives you as founders of this company, as humans, as every single project that is chosen seems to be very purposeful. And there's a there's a there's a mission behind it. There's there's uh, inspiration mm-hmm. behind who we choose to work with as a company. And that is definitely carries out through the company and it comes from its leaders. Um, so you can definitely see that from both of you whether you are doing what we do or selling the best cupcakes in Chicago, uh, that partner that is really good, that makes you better and is mm-hmm. aligned in values, it's going to apply equally. Whether it's that or a consulting firm or a tech startup, no importa. It's the same. It kind of works for your life partner too. <laughs> so um, it's very, very important. Don't take that lightly. And, um, Luckily, uh, with my partner, we haven't had any business missteps or whatever where there's so like discrepancies or, but it happens. I mean, that's why one in two marriages end up in divorce. So I think you do have to be also proactive into talking about the tough things, even if they haven't happened yet. Like, what does our operating agreement say? What if we need to split up the company for some reason? And it's kind of like the prenup and it sounds so weird because when you're in love the last thing you want to do is hey let's sign our prenup before the ceremony tomorrow but you have to um so anyway partnerships are complicated and very rewarding all at the same time um so just be go into it with your eyes open honest open heart and mind and prepare for the wars and hoping you never have to pull out that prenup (laughs) and it's just hidden and tucked away it's super important what you're saying yeah. Joe. I, I, I think I grew up with my parents I've said this before in some other interview but I think I was 12 11 I was so young tiny mm-hmm. I remember my dad or my mom one of those probably my mom sounds like she would do this but a printed out paper that she laid in my room once that said 90% of your success is who you're going to marry in Espanol and she repeats that to this day. Like every time I date someone, she's like, oh my gosh, what are they bringing to the table? Like, is they <laughs> forget love. Oh, sad. See, it's, it's incredibly important, especially seeing my mom go through cancer and seeing how my dad has been there 24 seven. And it's such a loving act to do. Of course, it is super important, not saying that it's not, but it's also when it goes back to what we talk, talked about, about what you focus on in life, what are your dreams mm-hmm. as an individual, if as a woman you want to, you know, have your own company or do all of these amazing things. It's valuable to think about how, who your partners in life and how they're going to come in business and romantic. That's exactly right. And it's okay. I always tell women that get stressed out with the whole love situation. So I got married really young it didn't work out. I take a lot of accountability for that. And 
actually I wouldn't want to be married to myself back when I was 20 something either so <laughs> it's like too way too intense um and then um I ended up getting married in my mid-30s so don't and I just told you my dad and his wife now she never wanted to get married because she was all about her career and now she is so it's just be patient <laughs> and 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 trust in god and the world but really putting you that one person that will make you better like your mommy was saying yeah that like maybe socially it can seem like a failure, but to you is one of the greatest lessons you've learned that brought you to where you are today. Oh my gosh. There's so many things. So many. Top one, two, whatever comes to mind. You can share all of them if you want. Yeah, no, <laughs> there's so much. And, and by the way, again, this is one of those frases de cajon, whatever cliche phrases, but I think I believe in it. It's very, it's very Tony Robbins. It's like this whole notion that life doesn't happen to you, but happens for you. And if you really see it through that lens, you will rediscover every phase in a very special way. Definitely getting divorced was painful. And I put a lot of blame on myself on that because I was absent. I was traveling. I was traveling almost every other week. I was never home. My poor, you know, ex-husband just didn't really have a wife. Um, and it was, you grow apart and realize the hurt you're causing in somebody else that loves you and is an amazing person because of your own selfishness. And I think that was part of that fuel that made me switch perspectives. So definitely the heartaches of a relationship, I think we can all learn from that, whether it is something as painful and hard as a divorce or, you know, that one relationship that ended up not working out that you thought was going to be the one uh, there is something to learn there about yourself and the choices you made in that process that will probably make you better so to me that was a big one um and then um my mom which eventually like i said we lost her to cancer my mom was a total badass like she was probably one of the first if not the first executive at the Colombian oil company, Ecopetrol. And she was a chemist, so total geek. The only girl in her class in an era when men dominated, still to this day, is the oil and gas industry. And she was super, super pretty. I mean, if I show you a picture of her, she looked like Miss Columbia and nobody took her seriously. And she was really mad all the time about that. Um, had to prove herself three, four times. But where I'm going with that is she was so brilliant and so beautiful. She had to become this really hard person. And she was really, really hard on me. And I think a lot of the stuff that she told me through my career really shaped me. And when I was going through a divorce, and it was probably one of my biggest, most successful moments in career life. I remember this happened. I was going through my divorce when I was on Poder magazine when they had the top 40 under 40 or under 30. I mean, I was a baby then. 
Um, and my mom looked at that magazine and she looked at me and she said, you know, that article means absolutely nothing with what's happening with you personally right now. Right. And I was like, oh, what? Así como boom al corazón. Um, and I think her toughness, it was almost like she was putting like vinegar on top of the herida, you know? But it was her way of sharing love and shaking me up to see life differently. And then soon after she gets diagnosed with breast cancer and it just, everything just piled so much. Um, that to me is probably that biggest moment. Um, because was I successful or not when I'm like featured by Poder Magazine but getting divorced at the same time, right? It's hard to kind of noodle with all of that. And then the thought of losing your mom. Um, so all of that was very, very heavy and great perspective and the biggest blessing for me to grow up the hard way, I think. Um, and then, well, that on the personal side, then in terms of failures, I mean, Gosh, this actually, I think this is on a Tony Robbins video. You can Google it and find it. But I was, um, I went to one of those big Tony Robbins events the year after we lost 60% of our revenues with our company. I mean, literally was everything you would look on paper and was like, this thing is going under. Because there was one summer when we lost three clients for totally separate weird reasons. One doing a... M&A, your merger and acquisition activity. Another one was going through a big transaction that Wall Street made them disband. It was like crazy stuff you can find in the news. And we lost millions and millions and millions of dollars in a blink. And that to any business person looking from the outside looks like a horrendous failure. I went to this big Tony Robbins event and Rick and I were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And that was the birth of Culture Intel. So our tech and big data analytics side of our business grew and was created in response to tragedy in our business. It was a desperate attempt to innovate or die. And that was also, again, another moment. We could have closed down, let everybody go, cash our chips and be like, okay, apaguemos y nos vamos, or be like, crap, how do we re reinvent? How do we turn the corner and evolve from cultural intelligence being some BS concept on a PowerPoint to actually being a technology? And that's what we did. So two different moments, right? Personal heartache and business heartache that actually turn into a rebirth or the creation of something new. many more post-it moments. If you're going through a tough time, or maybe you feel like things are getting a bit stale, try turning things on their head, exploring, pushing a little more, and creating something new. Something I keep learning every single day in my job is that sometimes it helps to go back to the beginning, to the why of it, and ask yourself what drove you to start. What inspired you in the first place? Sometimes the answer you need now can be seen clearly through the same perspective that pushed you to start in the first place. I always knew that I loved storytelling since I was a kid. And I think that when I applied to jobs, 
I was very intentional about where I was applying, where they would let me tell stories. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how I wanted to tell them or what stories I wanted to tell. Right. But that's what I've been doing since I was a kid. And I didn't, I never thought about it as a skill. I always thought about it as this is my hobby that I like to do. I just like telling stories. I like telling them through song. I like telling them through dance. I like telling them through writing, whatever, but telling a story. And when I started working here, I start, I, through talking to you, through hearing you talk, through hearing our leaders speak and how the things they focus on, I started realizing, mm-hmm. hey, telling a story and knowing how to tell it, engaging, inspiring people, apart from it being a skill and a talent, it is incredibly hard to do. It's mm-hmm. not as easy as just, I'm going to read you a book or read you a PowerPoint sort of thing, because telling a story is also about who is your audience, knowing your audience and knowing how to get them a step further from just digesting information, but wanting to do something with it as well. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say here is, I love how you divided that because you are, to me, an amazing storyteller. What would you say is one of the most valuable skills you've, you either inherently had or that you had to hone to, to get you this far? So you're making the answer so easy because of that lead with the storytelling, right? You don't influence people with facts and information. You influence them when they can, in a way, see themselves or the role they could play in life or society through the story that you tell them. Um, it's It's the basic concept of empathy in action. Um, and in this case, um, storytelling, which now we see it in bigger places and more repetitive places like social media, whatever, if you do it well, um, it has the power to, to change people. And I do feel like it's a superpower that everybody should be able to, even if you're an introvert, um, you should be able to tell your story as you would to a friend um, that elevates from just spelling out facts and figures. And and it's something we we should definitely all practice. But like with anything in life, the only way you get good at it is by doing it. (laughs) So um, it's so funny. I, I tell people or young people are like, oh yeah, I really have this great idea of a I don't know, a cause or a foundation. And I'm like, okay, have you started telling anyone about that? Like, look, you have a podcast. I was like, it's absolutely an excuse when we have these things, the phone that I'm holding in my hands right now, that democratize you becoming a citizen journalist, storyteller, talent influencer, whatever you want to call yourself. So telling that story begins today. And let's say you're really, really shy. Okay, fine. Start by doing 200 words on a blog, but start telling me your story. So it's practice. And stories are authentic. So every one of us probably has something to talk about that connects into the point you're trying to make. Um, They can be authentically yours because they're your cousin's story, your aunt's story, your neighbor's story. So borrow it if you feel you don't have it. And then practice it, do it, do it. Even, you know, with a friend or starting your own YouTube channel, which is, by the way, here's another thing that many people don't know. 
The reason why you see me on television now was because I got discovered on YouTube. I, I had I don't, no idea. That's crazy. Okay. I don't have an agent or some yeah. sort of fancy anything. I'm not even in, under contract with any network. I haven't allowed myself to do that because then you were kind of married to one swim lane. Um, yeah. So I was so passionate about this whole cultural intelligence stuff and the data behind it instead of just talking about inclusion in a fluffy way. I started doing these tiny videos, one, two minutes long. This was before everybody had a makeup tutorial or a funny cat video on YouTube. Um, and I started putting them out and they were called Moments to Culturize. You can find them. Some of them are a decade old by now. And the New York Daily News kind of found it and be like, hey, we're going to do a story about people doing social media content in different ways. And you're like the business girl. And then a producer saw it, chased me down. I thought it was a weird stalker and he was for real. And then all of a sudden I am on the set of like Fox News a week or two later. Then on NBC, then on like, and it just kind of happened. It was a YouTube discovery. So you want to tell a story, you got to start telling it. If you think you're not good at it, you got to practice it. And if you're not doing it, it's a lame excuse because with a phone, anybody can tell a cool story, even if it's written, because anyone can have a blog, make it beautiful. It takes you two minutes to set it up on Tumblr, on whatever. It's easy. So anyone that is not telling a story is because maybe they don't recognize the value or they're too lazy to get started. If you need it, this is your sign to get started on whatever you've been brainstorming about all this time. If you're feeling as inspired as I am, you can learn and see more of Lily on YouTube at Moments to Culturize or on Twitter at Lily Hill and Instagram at Lily Hill USA. You can find all of this information in the description of this episode. Lili, this is what I call the lightning round. Very quick answer, not a lot of questions. Um, dun, dun, dun. So, favorite book? Start with the Y. And the Bible. Favorite singer? Shakira. Oh, okay. The first thing you do in the morning? Pray. Do you have any hidden talents? I can play the drums. That's awesome, okay. <laughs> Quality you look for in a business partner? Honesty. Quality you look for in a friend? Uh, funniness. <laughs> I want them to be fun and funny. I mean, that is important. I agree. Um, and one thing you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? To be more patient. Do you have anything else you want to say, Lini? I just want to say to everyone out there, keep sharing and listening to this podcast please tell everyone about it. So your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to share it with one person that has never heard it. And the second thing is, if you're not enjoying what you're doing now, think again, because life is too short. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode with Lily. You can learn more about Lily at lilianahil.com or find her information in the description of this episode. Remember to support us by rating this podcast on Apple, because as you know, this will help us continue to work on this show 
and bring on guests who inspire and motivate you. This is Latinx. I'm your host, Andrea Marquez. Thank you for listening.